Are you sending direct mail? Is your phone ringing off the hook with motivated seller calls? If it's not, it's probably because you're not marketing. One of my favorite ways to reach motivated sellers is by using direct mail. And the reason is, is I can target those who may have recently got a divorce or who have inherited a property from a death um, and so on and so forth. I can also target high equity. I can target absentee owners. And it is a tried and true way to get your message out. And more importantly than that, to get your phone ringing. I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail so you can see the exact mail provider that I use. I want to share them with you. They do letters and postcards. Letters as low as 59 cents and postcards as low as 39 cents. Mike and I send hundreds, if not thousands of postcards and letters to motivated sellers in our market every single week. Reason is, is because it works and we are going to continue to send direct mail because it works. So if you're not using a mail provider already, we want to share with you the company that we use. And they will hook you guys up with special pricing. Mention David Dodge or Mike Slane when you contact them. Go to dpipodcast.com forward slash direct mail to get more information. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge, coming to you today. Today, I have Mr. John Martinez on the show from the REI Sales Academy. Welcome, John. Man, good to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you, and um, I'm grateful for your time, John. So a little bit about John, and it's going to be a little bit because I don't know a whole lot about John. Um, and I'm looking forward to learn more about, more about what John is doing with his sales program. However, I've heard John's name a hundred times over the last four or five years that I've been doing real estate full time and investing, and I've heard nothing but good things about his sales program and um, just all the things that he has been out there offering to people. So I'm very excited, probably more excited than most of you <laughs> listening, but that's okay. Um, so again, welcome, John. And John, tell us a little bit about what you are up to these days. Yeah. So, um, you know, last four or five years, I've been pretty laser focused on sales training in the REI space. So it's all we do. It's all we've done for years. Before that, I was in sales training um, for, for all types of different businesses and industries. And before that, uh, I spent about, oh, shoot, uh, 15 years basically growing and building sales teams for different organizations across the country. So 
my whole background, everything I've ever done is sales, and but we've been focused in on, on REI in the last five, six years or so. Okay, very cool. So um, in, in terms of what you've been focused on in the last four or five years, let's hear more about that because that's what interests me. So you obviously have tons of experience in sales right. um, and your reputation precedes you. So, uh, yeah, so well, let's hear a little bit about the real estate side of things. Yeah, the real estate side of things is, is really cool. Um, and uh, it's, it's probably one of the toughest sales out there. I've, I've trained in all kinds of industries and it's tough. Uh, but it's a really cool sale. And, and most investors, when they get into investing, what I've learned, uh, just be, I mean, we've got probably 1,400, 1,500 in, involved in our program right now. So I, I see a lot of businesses, see inside of them, talk to a lot of investors. They get into investing, want to get into real estate and then realize, shoot, sales is a big thing about this and a big piece of it. Um, and it, it's even hard to fathom once I get into it because they're like, why am I having to sell? Because I'm cutting the check, right? It seems opposite. You're the one paying. Um, but, you know, you mentioned something as I got on here, uh, right, right before I think you started recording, you said, well, the money's made on the buy and then you get paid on the sale. And I believe that 100%. So That's our motto here, John. It's yeah. the Discount Property Investor Podcast. <laughs> you make your money when you buy, you get paid. When you sell, but the money is made on the purchase. So I feel like the message that that you have aligns very, very closely with uh, what we've been teaching our audience. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I truly believe it. It is, is it is what you what you buy for, um, and I think it's more important today than than ever, regardless of exit strategy. You know, most people in our training uh, are wholesalers, but there's a variety. But regardless of whatever your exit strategy is. Um, it's tougher than ever because you got, you got tons and tons of investors. We used to work in markets where it was like, well, these are competitive and these are not so competitive. Now, everywhere is competitive. There's investors in on every deal. Some uh, have iBuyers involved as well. Um, some are, are struggling with, uh, you know, leads are getting more and more expensive, you know, with, with RVMs and stuff like that. Everyone has access to, our, to the same list. They're competing for the same leads. Yeah. So I think more probably this last 12, 18 months than when I got in five or six years ago, um, the money is made on the buy, but not only is the money made on the buy talking about, you know, speaking in terms of having to buy at a deep discount, it's, you got to just buy, you know, it's like you're up against everybody now. And not only do you have to get it at the right price, so you make a good margin, but you just got to get it because there's going to be people offering more. There's going to be people who got to them before you. And I, I just, I think it's more important than ever that, that investors get that piece locked in on their business. I couldn't agree more, John, 100%. Because if you can't, I tell this to a lot of my students as well. You can't wholesale something or even flip something if you don't have it, right? You got to have an inventory to even offer to sell something and make a profit. So locking up properties and getting out there and doing that is so, so important. So tell, teach us today, please um, teach us a couple things that we can take away from this episode that will help us um, convert more deals or do more deals or help get us more sales in our businesses. So I know um, I'm, I am a student for life. I love to learn new things and I take in as much as I can about, about uh, real estate and negotiating and, and all types of things. And, and our business is doing pretty good. We're, we're doing anywhere between eight and 10 wholesales a month but I would love to take it to 15 or 20. So what would be some tips and tricks 
that you would recommend um, not only to me, but uh, that the audience could take away with them as well? Perfect. Uh, and I think we're, we're aligned uh, perfectly. Our, our average customer is about, uh, starts out about where, where you are now. And then we, our larger customers are, um, we're working with two hedge funds now that are buying. They're doing about 3,000 deals a year. So um, scale, that's what we do is, is we, we train those acquisition agents, usually going from, you know, a few deals a month to 10 to 12 and then, then up from there. So I'm just going to give you the best tips, really, that we give those teams. Cool. Um, and it's, it's, it's usually really tough at this point. I just want to, I'm going to start high level and then I'm going to drill down and just give some, some really actionable stuff that will increase conversion rates immediately. Like no BS, like do these things, you're going to get more deals type of stuff. Okay. So there is a point, um, and you probably see it with your coaching students, when the investor tries to kind of back out and replace themselves on the acquisition side, uh, what we hear and see all the time is the investors can buy. They know how to, because they've kind of, just trial by fire type stuff. They've been on so many seller appointments, they figured it out, right? They go in there and kind of by feel, they go, you know, I get enough deals to, to keep the business running. But as soon as they take themselves out and they start to try to train somebody else, there seems to be this disconnect. They go, I know how to do it because man, I've learned how to do it over one or two or three years. And it's just kind of by feel, right? They go this way, I say this, I bring things up, you know, at this time because of this. And it's by gut feel. But when it gets time to teach somebody else, it's like, I can't teach that gut feel, right? And, uh, and, and there's, there's this disconnect. So that's usually what we hear at that point. Um, and then they struggle to train their acquisition agent. So when we get in, the first, the first few things we teach um, that are going to make a massive amount of difference is number one, ending the call. So most newer acquisition agents or newer investors, um, when a sales call ends, when they make their offer, the most common thing that they hear is some form of maybe or think it over, right? They rarely ever hear a no. They're not like, no, get out of my house. It happens, but that's not the most common. The most common is, let me talk to this person. Let me think it over. I've got other investors coming in. I'm going to get some other offers. Let me talk to my wife. It's, it's some form of, of, of delay, right? Yep, um, and that's typically the case. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So, so one real good actionable thing you can use right now that's going to turn more of those maybes and think it overs into deals is just to, to, um, to stop accepting those delays. And I'll break it down. I'll give scripting and everything for it so people can literally take this and, and run with it. Awesome. Um, when people, John, again, we appreciate you coming on and sharing some of these, uh, some of these gold nuggets with us today, buddy. And yeah, I, I love to. It, it's, I enjoy it. So, you know, if you get some type of maybe or think it over, if you just think about when you give those to salespeople, it happens for a few reasons. Number one, it might just be a no, right? I can't, I can't, you know, I can't count the number of sales situations I've been in where either I like the salesperson um, and I didn't want to let them down or I just didn't want to get beat up with objection handlers and stuff where it's a no and I just, you know, hey, let me think about it. I'll get back to you, right? So sometimes when you get those, uh, maybe you're thinking over, it, it, it's a no. So let's break this down. Number one reason. Totally agree. Sometimes it's a no. Yep. Yeah, they just haven't shared that with you yet. Number two. Um, number two is there's just something else they got to figure out. Where am I going to go? How am I going to get there? What's this person going to say? Uh, we call them deal killers. They're more commonly known as objections, but there's some stuff that people are worried about, the risk, the discomfort of, of the whole process. Um, they got to figure out, you know, these deal killers. They, there's questions they need to figure out before they can make a decision one way or the other. So it truly is a maybe, and there's some factors why. The third reason why you might get held off and not get an answer is it is a yes. They feel really good. They would accept it, but they don't have to yet. They don't have to give an answer yet. 
if we just think about like in our lives, big decisions we make, like who we're getting married to, buying or selling a house or, or the purchase of a car, an appliance, you know, something large, um, we don't usually have those options and then just immediately jump on them and make a decision. When we have really big decisions to make, most people, most, <laughs> most people out there will wait till you got to make that decision, right? You're not like, oh, look, it's time for me to buy a house. I'm looking at two. I'll go ahead and, and drop the hammer on one right now. They go, well, I'm going to take my time. And when it's really time, when I absolutely have to do it, I'll, I'll make the decision. Um, so knowing that people don't make large decisions until they have to, um, they just don't have to yet. So they're going to sit pretty and they're going to hold on until, until they have to. So now we know, okay, why are we getting maybes or thinking over? Is there's a maybe, there's a yes, and there's a no. All right, so when you stop accepting maybes and thinking overs, that truth is going to come out. And, and I'm going to give you some scripting right now, just, just how, how we do so, it. How we so you're it. saying there's only, those three, there's only those three scenarios. It's always going to be a no. There's something that they need to figure out, or it's a yes, but they don't have to. And then obviously there's a yes, so there's four. Am I missing anything? Well, uh, no, no. So um, no, yes. And then I need more information before I can give you an answer one way or the other. Got it. Okay, cool. It could go either way, but there's just some missing pieces that, that, that they need before they can tell you yes or no, before they can figure it out for themselves. Cool. So the goal would be to quit accepting the people that are just either not a yes or a no, and they're in the middle, right? Right. So if it, I mean, so here's what happens if you, if you stop accepting maybes and thinking overs. And again, I'll give you all the scripting and stuff in just yep. a second. If you put your foot down, and say, hey, it, you know, if it's not a yes, it's a no, basically, um, in a nice, gentle, nurturing way, one of three things happens. If it is a no, you're going to give them permission to tell you no. And, you know, if it is a no, we want to know. It's like, why, why walk out of there blind? If you know what it is, if you know it's a no, you know what to do with it. Okay, am I going to keep working on it? And am I going to dig in further? Am I going to put them in my, my follow-up campaign? Am I just going to accept it's a no and move on? You know. If you don't know when you actually have a no, what happens is, is you end up with these, these never-ending follow-ups. You're in the business for six months, and then you got a thousand people you're following up with. You can't follow up with them all, you're, so you're not following up with them all. It, just, it doesn't work. So if it is a no, I don't know any investors who don't want to know. Like, just tell me the truth. If it's a no, let me know, and then I know how to proceed or, or not proceed. Yeah, so, that's a good point, John. Let me pause you right there. Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, this is uh, this is ringing really, really true in home. So I have 5,543 <laughs> active in my CRM that um, are in the follow-up status, 5,543. So um, I love it. It rings so true. Now, our average deal is about four months okay. from the initial contact to the time that we get, uh, get it under contract to the, to the wholesale or to purchase. Right. So the follow-up game, there is a lot of power there. However, yes. however, knowing from the get-go on what to allocate your resources to is, is very powerful too. So I, I'm agreeing with you is what I'm getting at. But uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's a lot of people in there that didn't give me a yes or a no from the beginning, and, and now they're just getting followed up with. And as you mentioned, that's a lot. Once you get to a thousand, that's a full-time job. So I don't do that anymore, but I have a virtual assistant that does. So I've had to go and to bring staff on just to work yeah. that without dropping the ball. So amen, brother. Amen. And just to take that a step further, um, you know, if you, if you know which ones are no's, um, well, again, you, just, you have more information, but your acquisition agents, when you start to scale, 
they only have so much time, right? And they should be following up with 10, 15, 20 people that are the hottest deals. So if they can only follow up with so many before it's handed off to an automated system or a lead manager or something like that, you want them following up with the hottest leads, right? It doesn't make, if, if half the leads they're following up with and they've got the, the skill set to, to close the deals, right? They're, they're the best at doing it. You don't want half of those or a third of those to already be no's and they just didn't know about it yet. It, it's not a good use right. of time. Right. Also, when we look at the numbers, um, this makes follow-up more effective because if you don't have to push someone into a yes and they basically have to lie to you or push you out the door, well, when you do reach out to talk to them, they're going to be more apt to talk to you, right? You say, hey, Oh, listen. yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Trang, but he has a really great analogy. He's like, once you make an offer to somebody and they give you a, a no, you get unlimited access to their voicemail. Unlimited. <laughs> you know? But the odds of them answering the phone for you moving forward are going to be very, very low. And that stuck with me from a podcast I did with him a while back. Great guy. It rings so true to, to your message. You know, yeah, it's, it's the same reason none of us answer calls from salespeople. It's like, hey, you gave me all the information. I know what the offer is. The only thing you want to do is like try to overcome some objections or push me into something. How do I'm not picking up the phone? I've got the info. Right? I got the info, right? So if I need you, no, I'll contact you. Yeah. Absolutely. When you give them the no, then, then it increases your odds of following up correctly and actually getting a hold of them again. Um, the other thing we see is we worked, we started working with a lot of, we have a lot of data around companies and, and how long it takes. You know, we've got some companies that are getting deals two, three years out from the follow-up campaign. But what we found is they've been able to, close a lot more deals on the first call that they that they would wouldn't have to wait two three years they, they get it quicker yeah. right the same deal comes in but they get it now instead of later and that also decreases the chances of other investors getting the deal because hey we'd be lying to ourselves if we said that well no um every deal i don't get nobody gets every investor if they're following their pipeline they know that i didn't get it someone else picked it up right? That happens all the time. So the quicker we can close, the better it is and not rely so much on, we got to use follow-up, but we can't rely on it because we'll, we'll lose a lot of deals in the meantime. Absolutely. Absolutely. So getting to know is the first thing that can happen when we, when we stop accepting them. So what do you mean by you give them permission? Well, you, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. So I'll just go into the scripting now, right? Here, cool, here's what it usually sounds like. Uh, Dave, listen, man, um, you shared a lot with me. This is a massive decision. There's a lot of moving pieces to it. I totally get why you need some time to think about it. That being said, listen, everything we talked about, every reason why you're considering this, you know, everything you want to accomplish, every reason, you know, why you might not move forward, everything that you're kind of hung up on and trying to think through, everything we talked about, if after all of that, you're still not confident that this is the way to go, man, I think we just need to call it what it is. This, this is a no. I just don't think we've got a fit here. And, and we're in the business of, you know, buying houses, but I see a lot of people, I don't buy every single house. I'm looking for it to be perfect for you and perfect for me. And when we, we have that match, then we buy. And right now, I don't think we have the match. So I think we just need to call it what it is. And, and I, I hope I'm not offending you, but it sounds like at least for right now, it, it needs to be a no, right? So that's a very soft way. Of, of making it a no. So what happens is if it is a no, now you've given the no, they have permission to say, well, you know what? I, that's what I'm feeling. I, I don't think we've got a fit here. So we've given them, we've taken the pressure off, right? Okay. Um, we're not going to beat them up for a yes. But the other two things that will happen is if it is a yes, 
right? And if we do, you know, when we go into sales process, we talk about how to increase the motivation and urgency to take action and systematically like pull out all those objections to deal killers and deal with them. So we do all that up front. This is just the very end of the sales call. So if you do that effectively, there's going to be some where they really want to take action and this is their time to make a decision, right? We, we've actually given a time, hey, it's time to go one way or the other. No pressure if it's a no, totally cool, but you know, I, I got to go make offers on other houses right. and if I'm just hanging out there. I can't, I can't do that. I feel um, like it's a subtle way to get them to push versus being pulled. That's it. You're and, still, that's, and that's kind of like a really high look, level looking down on just, just the emotional right. aspect of the sale itself. You're still right. applying pressure. Content for the is kind of irrelevant after a point. It's more along the lines of, I want to make this a win-win, but it has to be a good win for me. Therefore, here's where I'm at. And if it doesn't work for you, then I get it, you know, but I got to go make offers on other houses. And if you don't want this offer, I need to know in a way, because I need to allocate the same resources that I had put into your bucket into yeah. a different one. Right. And I it's okay. It's right. And it's cool. And it's and okay. Right. That, that for a lot of people, that's their time to make a decision. And if you've done everything right, the motivation, everything is there. You'll often hear something like, you know what? I've been dealing with this long enough. I'm tired of it. Let's just do it. Right. Cause, cause it's just time to make a decision. Now, the third thing that can happen is they don't want to let you go. Right. But there are some things that they still need to figure out. And this is where they, they put them out on the table. And that usually sounds like nine times out of 10, it sounds like, no, I'm not saying no. It's just that I don't know how, I don't know if, I don't know how I'm going to, where I'm going. And now we can start to address those things, right? Doesn't mean we're going to get the deal. But at least now we know their, their decision criteria, what they're thinking about. And we have some more information. We can say, you know, in some cases it's, oh, no, leave everything behind. We'll clean it up. That's actually not a big deal. Maybe some cases we can't do anything about it, but the point is now we know, and we're just looking to increase our chances of closing closable deals. So we, we always go for, you know, we live by anything other than a yes, whatever it sounds like, that's a no. And when you get a no, you, you put it out on the table, you say it's a no and that's okay. And, and again, those are the only three things that happen. You get a yes, you get a no, or you figure out what that, what that decision criteria is that you didn't know before and you can walk through it. And, and all three of those things are good for an investor or salesperson. I think that's amazing. If it's, if it's a no, that's okay. But we have labeled it yeah. as a no, which is awesome. And, it, and, then, and then at that point, if, if it's the decisions in their court, I mean, you're essentially forcing them to make a decision uh, indirectly. I think, it's, I think it's beautiful. That's a great gold nugget, John. Thank you for sharing that. I absolutely love it. And one more thing, if, if I can add on for just a second. So Absolutely, you can. When I got into this industry, um, I spent my first year going and actually buying houses. I went coast to coast, uh, California, Mexico, Pennsylvania. And when our training started, it's online now. But what I would do is I'd fly out and I'd hop in the car with acquisition agents. I'd go buy a bunch of houses. Then we'd flip roles and they would. And then I'd kind of give them some tips afterwards. So I bought a lot of houses. I've been in there buying them. And then for about uh, six months, I bought locally in Springfield, Missouri, where I am. I just partner with an investor. They did all the marketing. I walked in, locked up a house, recorded the call for our training, and then he dispositioned it. Man, so I'm, I'm in St. Louis. I didn't even realize you were in my state. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm in Springfield. So, um, you know, when we started doing that, I'll tell you the majority of the deals I got um, came after that point in the sales call because all pressure was relieved. And, and I get that no. And I started going for that no really quick. And then I'd get to the point and they'd say, yeah, I don't know. I said, probably not. And I'd just say, listen, now that it's over, what in the world do you think you're going to do? 
Now, <laughs> reality hits, right? Now they have permission to really speak freely. Um, I'm no longer a salesperson because I've taken my deal off the table. And then you're right back into it is, I don't know. And, and you're, you're back into the right conversation, right? So the majority of my deals came at that point where we gave them a no and then just said, listen, now that it's over, what, what are you going to do? And it's just this, I don't know. And we jump right back into it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or, is it, or they tell you a plan and then you can, you can say, okay, well, I've heard that a hundred times. And what happens is people try to do that. And then in three to six months, they call me back. Yeah. You know? You all so, kinds of ways with it. And if you want to go do that, that's people. great. But I would hate for you to waste all that time and money when in the end it's going to probably be the – yeah, I think that's great, John. I love that. One of my favorite things to do, and I'm sure that you, um, you, you teach this as well, but if you're out on an appointment or even talking to somebody on the phone and you're trying to get their why, you know, that's what we're in the business of doing. We're buying at a discount. You know, we are trading convenience for, um, for a discount. Yeah. That's really all a wholesaler does. We provide liquidity to the marketplace and we trade convenience for a discount. And basically, you know, one of the things that you should be asking your seller lead, your, you know, your, the seller on the phone or in person is, you know, why do you want to sell? What is your right. reason for selling? And sometimes you'll get pushback. It's, it's kind of rare, at least for me, it, it is. Most of the time when I ask that question, I get, a, I get a direct answer. Other times they push back and they say, you know, it's not really your business. Yeah. And you can always find out the why by asking the when. The when reveals the why. I love this. And if they say, okay, that's no problem. Um, Or I say, okay, that's no problem. Uh, Let's move on. And then you start talking about the house. And then you just get into, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, when do you need to close? Because I got a couple other deals that I'm working on right now. And if they say, oh, I need to have this closed in like two weeks or less. And you're like, oh, okay, two weeks or less. Yeah, that might be a challenge. Um, you know, could we do it in a, you know, in three weeks or is there a reason why you got to have it in two weeks? Yeah. It's cause I'm going to jail next Thursday. It's like, okay, sure. boom, there's your why the wind reveals the why and always ask why, but if they won't tell you the why ask the wind and that that's worked really, really well for me to get people to come, to come, uh, and you know, to give up their why. And then after you have their why, then you can go to their needs. You know, what are your needs? I don't really care what people want. I'm not trying to sound like a like a, you know, a D-I-C-K in this scenario, but I'm here to provide a level of convenience to you. And if you are not willing to trade me a, the same level of a discount on a deal, then I'm going to take my convenience elsewhere. So I think that our messages align very, uh, very, very yeah. straightforward. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, the why is important. I mean, I nerd out on the stuff. So it's just, you know, with, with neuroscience and neuroeconomics, the way decisions are made, decisions are that they start like in the brain, it's in the, the emotional core of the brain. And uh, again, I, I can nerd out easily, but I'm not, but the why is important. And the more you talk about the why that actually increases someone's urgency to take action. And the more you talk about it, the more likely they are to make a decision and move forward. So uh, that's one reason why it's super important. Another reason why it's super important is because when you get deep into their why and the deeper you get into it, when you make your offer, you, it, the best investors will align, they'll talk about their offer, they'll explain their offer in terms of helping them meet their why. Quick example, instead of saying, listen, I could give you 65,000 and we can close in 14 to 30 days. That's one way maybe uh, an amateur, someone just starting out would, would, would make their offer. 
if you know their why, then the, the, the offer starts to sound like, listen, man, I know you got to be out of here in, in two weeks. Um, so the way I want to structure my offer is we can do this as quickly as seven days. Um, so we can hit that window. But I also know the more and more we talked, you were really afraid that you were going to be stuck in between places and, and not have the cash or time or, you know, to get into somewhere quick enough and to kind of be, be stuck in the middle. And that's why you haven't done anything like this before. So what I want to do is I'm going to structure this so we can buy as quick as seven days, but we can, we can really span that out as long as 30. And because of that too, um, listen, you're not going to get paid till we close on the house. But what we can do is I can write up in the contract that when title clears, we can give you 500 bucks so you can get into your new place. See, what we're doing is we're, we're hitting that their motivations. We're right. hitting the stuff that might kill the deal. And, and just, it's the same offer, but the more you know about their, their motivation, the more you can connect the dots with them and the more appealing the offer is. Right. Yeah. If you can build the offer around their needs or wants, then it's going to yeah. be, even if it's a lower offer, if right. terms align more with what their goals are, then it's going to be a better, more appealing offer. I think that's great. Absolutely. John, very, very cool. John, I, I like to keep my episodes short so people can digest them and not yeah. go too long. Um, if you guys are not familiar with John, check him out online. The REI Sales Academy is, uh, is John's, that's his baby, right? Yeah, that's my baby. That's his baby. I love it. You can find it at Midwest Rev dot com m-i-d-w-e-s-t-r-e-v dot com and uh, check out john on social media i've been following john on uh on instagram lately putting out some good content john thank you so much yeah. we're going to definitely be bringing john back on the show here uh soon but john any any departing words for the audience any any other tips or tricks you'd like to share with us today man um you know what one more quick one i guess just because you, you kind of hit on it um you don't get a lot of pushback when you start with the why. The most effective, uh, which is good, some people do. And I think yeah. the most effective way to ask, uh, and your strategy is brilliant, going to the when. Um, the way we've, what we've seen the most success with is by going into the why kind of with, not as a straight question, why are you looking to sell, but kind of in disbelief by saying something good about the situation or the home and then not understanding why. So it sounds like this. And there's always something good you can say about the house. Listen, man you've lived here 25 years, lots of memories. Why in the world would you consider selling now? Or this neighborhood is an up and coming neighborhood. Everybody loves it. It's beautiful. Why in the world would you think about selling now? Or listen, you just put a year into rehabbing this place. The kitchen is beautiful. Um, I know it's not done, but you put a ton of work into it. Why in the world would you even consider selling at this point? And when you go after it with that kind of yeah, you're approaching with empathy, empathy for them. So right, they're going right. to re, return it with empathy. Yeah, that's, you are more likely to get a, a real, an answer and, and a real answer. Right? I think that's great. A lot of people try to use the mirroring, you know, to mirror their person. And this is an indirect way. It's, kind of, it's to get them to mirror you. So you go in with an empathy approach yeah. and you're going to get that in return. I think that's, that's, that is brilliant as well, John. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> very cool well, John thank you so much for your time today I am ultra grateful I know my audience is grateful guys don't forget you make your money when you buy you get paid when you sell don't forget to check out John's REI sales academy at midwestrev.com and with that we're going to be signing off John thanks again we'll talk to you soon and we're going to be bringing you back
Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.